Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 361. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 361. I've enjoyed so many amazing and rewarding experiences in recent months, including spending time with today's guest, with whom I've connected at two important events. I'm so happy to introduce you to Kaifa Anderson Hall, founder and visionary of Plants and Blooms Reimagined, a socially minded floral program based in Washington, D.C., I first met Kaifa in June at the American Horticultural Society's annual awards banquet, where she was recognized as a Great American Gardener Award recipient for significant contributions to the field of horticultural therapy. I was a fellow recipient there to accept the AHS Francis Jones Potker Award for contributions to the field of floristry, so it was a significant night for both of us. And it was so meaningful that Kaifa attended the Slow Flowers Summit just one week later, allowing us to spend a little more time together in her hometown. As I mentioned, Kaifa is the founder of Plants and Blooms Reimagined. She began the program inspired by the belief that the beauty, joy, inspiration, and healing power of nature's gifts of indoor plants and cut flowers should be experiences shared by all. Kaifa envisioned Plants and Blooms Reimagined to be the source of plants and flowers for D.C. residents who too often go without. The organization's mission is to increase personal enjoyment and enhance well-being for under-resourced and other marginalized groups in the D.C. region through the gifting of repurposed, a.k.a. reimagined, botanicals of all kinds. Plants and Blooms Reimagined can be found at various senior communities, homeless shelters, day programs for differently abled adults, social service facilities, healthcare clinics, health fairs, and more, delivering plants and flower bouquets, and providing outreach and plant-based education. Here's more about Kaifa Anderson Hall. Kaifa channeled her experience with social work and community garden development into a career in horticultural therapy. Through her business, Inspired Horticultural Services, Inc., and through Plants and Blooms Reimagined, Kaifa focuses on enhancing the well-being of diverse and often underserved communities in the greater Washington, D.C. region. 
In addition to working with seniors, veterans, and differently abled youth and adults, Kaifa designs and consults on the creation of therapeutic gardens. She lectures on the benefits of horticultural therapy programs at conferences and health fairs. A master gardener and graduate of the Horticultural Therapy Institute in Denver, Kaifa is active with a variety of organizations, including the American Horticultural Therapy Association and Washington, D.C.'s School Garden Advisory Council. On very short notice, Kaifa pulled together a team of her volunteers to collect and ultimately reimagine and repurpose all of the flowers and foliages that we used during the Slow Flowers Summit. So it is very fitting to share her story with you and inspire you in your own creative reimagining of the materials you use. Please visit DebraPrinzing.com to see the show notes for today's episode, including photos of the Plants and Blooms Reimagined programs and the people that receive so much joy when Kaifa and her team of volunteers deliver flowers and plants. I'll also share links to all of Kaifa's places. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so incredibly honored and delighted to welcome today's guest, Kaifa Anderson Hall. Hi, Kaifa. Hi, Deborah. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. The last time we um, spoke, we were together in Washington, D.C., and um, Washington, D.C. kind of brought us together because I first met you um, through the American Horticultural Society. We uh, both were part of this year's Great American Gardeners Award. And I want to congratulate you. Yeah, I want to congratulate you on receiving the Horticultural Therapy Award, which recognizes significant contributions to the field of horticultural therapy. So congratulations. That's that was pretty special. Thank thank you. Yeah, pretty special indeed. And of course, you know, I, I have to congratulate you as well, because, you know, such a high honor. Um, full disclosure, um, many may not know that I serve on the awards committee. So when I saw that you were being nominated for the Francis Jones Parker Award, I'm like, I don't care who and who else are the nominees. Deborah is going to win this award. So um, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't have to, you know, twist many arms. And most of us were definitely in agreement because um, you're certainly deserving of, of that award. So, yeah, it was, it was so great that we were able to um, meet at the awards dinner and um, just find a lot of synergy and um, yeah. one thing led to the next. Yeah. yeah, and I'm really excited that you can be on the podcast. Um, you have a lot of, wear a lot of hats, and we'll talk about a few of those, but uh, the primary um, role that you are, I believe, recognized for is your um, organization called Plants and Blooms Reimagined, and you're the founder and visionary for that. Um, yes. Tell me a little bit about Plants and Blooms Reimagined, and uh, then we'll talk about, you know, what happened to those flowers at the Slow Flower Summit, because you had a role in that too. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, um, Plants and Blooms Reimagined, I think I shared with you, um, we chatted at some point that um, a few years ago, which is real interesting, I was, you know, doing my daily routine, driving, moving to the city, um, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw um, what I've seen many, many times before, children's hospital um mobile blood unit um, Mm -hmm. moving through the streets. And for some reason, in that moment, my eyes 
transpose that D in blood to an M. And so, of course, I read Blue Mobile. And <laughs> I love it. It, it, it. It's amazing. It just, every time I share the story, it's like I get chills because it was like a high moment just came over me in terms of, you know, what I was to be doing next steps. Um, I'm involved in a lot of community based. Um, garden and the farm communities, urban agriculture. And as much as we attempt to mitigate many of the barriers that um, really keep certain populations and groups from connecting to outdoor natural garden spaces, there's still so many barriers. And then when that transformation of that D to the M happened, it said to me right away, okay, you need to take the plants and blooms to where some of these vulnerable and underserved communities are, those who still cannot make the kinds of connections to outdoor mm. spaces that we all desire. Mm. And that sort of sort of was the catalyst. Um, although I've had um, sort of some prior experiences in terms of taking plants um, to underserved and isolated seniors, um, for example, part of um, my church ministry. Every um, holiday we deliver meals. And three years ago, I decided, well, why don't I take a, a point set up with the meal mm-hmm. um, upon the delivery? I always love driving and, mm-hmm. and, and making the deliveries. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the seniors always, you know, anticipating the meal. But when I walked in with those points set as Deborah, it was as if you know, just a light just took over the room. Mm. They were just so appreciative and so overwhelmed, so many of them. Um, just the thought of some... Now, I remember one gentleman said, there's one other living thing now in my apartment besides me. Mm. And wow, I, I, I went back and shared it with the committee. This is something that we will need to do consistently. And so now for the past two years, I have sourced uh, almost about 100 poinsettias each year to accompany other drivers um, as they make the delivery. So I had that experience um, to inform this work. Again, my, my work in terms of being a horticulturalist and working in gardens and and understanding the impact that nature-based experiences have and knowing the the importance that indoor plants and cut flowers have as an accessible connection um, to nature. It's not the full-blown experience, but it is no less powerful. And so all of that informed and sort of was in that moment of transposing that D to an <laughs> I love it. Um, and the blue mobile. And so, yeah, that, that's sort of how it came together. And we can talk about other experiences that informed that, but that really um, was, was the, the catalytic moment. I love that. Um, I'm just curious. I mean, at the time you were working in horticulture therapy as a horticultural therapist, can you just describe like what is a horticultural therapist and how, you know, how were you using plants and nature, you know, in your consulting work? Correct. Um, well, for those who, who don't know, horticulture therapy is an ancient practice. I mean, it, it actually started um, in the 19th century 
long ago with Benjamin Rush, who who was considered the father of American psychiatry, and um, he was able to document clear positive effects of working with individuals with mental illness in garden spaces. Um, and so it has, has been a long-standing practice of utilizing garden spaces and or nature-based experiences um, to really enhance overall wellness, and that crosses the gamut in terms of learning new skills, regaining new skills, um, increasing cognitive abilities, um, socialization, improving memory and mood, all through a very active process. So it's not the end product. It's not, you know, how many tomatoes did we grow today? (laughs) How many, you know, how many pastos did we propagate, do cuttings from? It's the actual active engagement in, in the process. That's the therapeutic experience. And seeing and having specific wellness goals um, for individuals. So you're working with groups consistently over time Mm. and being able to um, document and target specific goals and working towards those goals through a horticultural experience. So it it, it really is a practice that has gained greater um, awareness and acceptance and collaborative work with other allied professionals like PTs and and OTs and in hospital settings and um, rehabilitative settings. So across the board, um, horticulture therapy is a very accessible um, but but very clear practice that that brings about overall wellness for a number of populations. Wow. And instead of sitting there writing a prescription for a pharmaceutical, (laughs) you know, you're writing a different kind of prescription. Right. It's a prescription in a bud. I like to call it. A prescription, prescription in a bud. <laughs> prescription in a bud and not and not a bottle. Um not not pills. So uh, again, it's it it really is something that's very attainable, um can be very accessible, um, and is powerful in terms of the transformation and research just speaks to particularly with, with seniors, which is um, probably the largest population that I work with. Um, flowers have been found to decrease depression, to refresh memory, um, and even encourage greater socialization, which is a great concern for many of our seniors in terms of the, the isolation that they experience. So it's it found that with the presence of flowers, seniors are more engaged as members of the communities and they're most more socially connected to their neighbors and, and other social communities. It's, it's amazing. Um, and it's, it's so wonderful that the research is there because I know we all understand the impact and the joy that flowers can bring the beauty that they possess, but they are workhorses. <laughs> I call them, you know, real workhorses. And, um, So to be able to connect that piece with sourcing what many of us know that are just countless number of flowers that are out there available post-events and other sources, um, and just connecting those two, you know, connecting those dots, that's that's what Plants and Bones Your Imagine is all about. 
Right. You know, um, I was just, I have the program from the, from the American Horticultural uh, Society's um, awards event and uh, in front of me. And I just noticed at the bottom of the page, it says all of tonight's floral arrangements are sourced from River Farm, which is where we were. And will be donated yes. and will be donated to Plants and Blooms Reimagined. So that's just a, one yeah. one event. There were lots of lovely garden centers pieces. So, for example, uh, that's similar to what you did with the Slow Flower Summit, where there's Absolutely. all these quote unquote leftovers, but they're viable and beautiful and fragrant. Viable and beautiful, exactly, absolutely, and. Um, it's it's wonderful. I'll be having further conversations with um, Beth, who's the executive director of AHS now, in terms of continuing that kind mm. of collaboration mm-hmm. um, and support of of my work and how I can bring greater awareness um, there to many of the AHS members as well. Oh. So I'm excited about that. Oh my gosh, that could influence the the whole membership countrywide. Cool. Yes, exactly. Yes. So yes. yes. So I was so. Go ahead, please. Oh, no, I was just so curious. Like, walk us through, like, what happens. Um, how does Plants and Blooms prefer to handle an event and a donation? Or are there many different ways? Are you, is it like a one-off? Like, everyone's different. Well, well no. Uh, well, there's basically a process. And um, I've been able to streamline it over a couple of years now. And, um most I direct most through my website because I want to know um, the the quantity. Mm. You know the, who might have been designed. Local designs have to come from other sources. Um, access numbers, and then with all of that information, I'm able to target. Okay, how many volunteers will I need? You know for recovery, how many volunteers will I need for, I call it the reimagining process, mm-hmm. the repurposing process. Um, so I, I get as much detailed information as possible. Um, and um, folks are, have responded really well um, to that. And again, it, it opens up and begins the process and, and how we're to move forward collaboratively. So that that is the work with, you know, direct donors in terms of bridal couples, but I've even event planners who are working on behalf of bridal couples have um, reached out and designers themselves. So there are a number of sources that are, are um, responding and accessing yeah, that portal in terms of streamlining the process as much as possible. Do you find that you're re when you say reimagined, are you perhaps taking a really large arrangement and breaking it into smaller personal size uh, vase or, or bunch arrangements or yes. So okay. so plants and blooms are imagined does two things. Um, the majority of recovery operations do that breakdown mm. into from larger into smaller delivering as many as possible, and I do that with uh, nursing and rehab facilities as well as assisted living facilities, women's shelters. So that's the direct delivery piece. So, wow. yes, my, my my new vision team, as I call my, my volunteers, um, come together and, and do that breakdown and repurposing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we try to get those out within one to three days mm-hmm. of the delivery, mm-hmm. the donation. Um, but as a horticulture therapist, I also do direct delivery programming. So I work with a number of groups consistently over time. 
So oftentimes I will take a portion of that donation piece as well and work specifically with those groups where they do therapeutic flower arranging. Wow. Um, And it is incredible um, because, again, as working with them consistently, for example, um, if someone has um, suffered an injury over the course of their lifetime and and they now have one arm that's hand hand more dominant than the other, um, I really identify and target that. And, you know, the first or second visit is like, oh, um, Miss Joanne, how about let's just try to hold, you know, with your, you know, less dominant hand, just hold those as you cut with, with your other hand. Usually they're trying to do everything with that one dominant hand. Um, and it's amazing over four or five, six sessions with these individuals, you don't even have to begin to say that anymore. Wow. They are now just now using that less dominant hand and having more confidence um, with it and knowing that they can use that in the experience as well. So that's the, the horticulture therapy side. Wow. And so I use I use the donated um, flowers for both, for the direct delivery and for the program delivery as well. Wow. That's, that's such a beautiful story. And I can just see it's probably somebody who's maybe had a stroke or somebody who has a weakened, well, as you said, less dominant hand and that they are yes. hesitant to use it and you're giving them a beautiful way exactly. to, yeah, that's so exactly. amazing. So, uh, I know we talked earlier before we turn on the recorder that you are under a fiscal sponsor and, but you're moving toward creating, um, plants and blooms to reimagine perhaps as it's a standalone 501c3 or like, is exactly. that, okay. Yes. What would that allow you to, um, to do with the organization? Oh, it, it will certainly allow me to garner more funding, mm-hmm. um, which is so important. Um, I, I've been very fortunate to receive um, two significant grants, but as a standalone, I would be able to do that, to have my own board. And, you know, with the board, they're out there doing all the wonderful pieces that you're trying to do as a one-person <laughs> operation. Right. So <laughs> that, that would be an incredible gift. Um as as well as creating additional opportunities for volunteers and expanding and doing fundraisers. So just a number of pieces that bring on other people, other resources would afford me to do hmm. once I establish this as a full 501c3. Well, keep me posted because I'd love to um, have Slow Flowers, you know, partner with Plants and Blooms Reimagined, you know, for individual events or maybe ongoing finding ways for people to plug in. I know there are similar types of post event repurposing types of programs around the country. Um, and they do tend to have to be specific to a region because you've got a perishable product, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. That is so true. But, but what can happen is if, um, if, someone who's getting married in D.C., um, whose aunt is in California, and, all of, and they're looking, it's like, oh, in D.C., did you know that there's a repurposing organization there in D.C. that mm-hmm. might be? So it, it, I always say there's never 
too many eyes across the mm-hmm. country in terms of knowing what it is that you're doing. Um, for example, someone can say, I, oh, I, you can say, Kaifa, did you know that um, the Institute for whatever, whatever is going to be in D.C. in November? I may not be connected to that, but you may be, and that might be, again, another opportunity for um, a recovery um, opportunity. So, again, even though we're regional, um, I find that if folks know um, who we are and where we are and where we're working um, all across the country, that we can support each other um, in that way. Right. Just, yeah. Exactly. Wow. Well, you don't seem very shy about introducing yourself and asking what's happening to these flowers afterwards, right? I mean, you have to kind of be the the poster child for this, right? Oh, absolutely. You have to be at florist doors. You have to um, try to be at at wonderful wedding events. Um, Building and event managers are some of my best friends because they, again, know when major corporate events or conferences are coming through. Um, I've been able to secure three major donations already this year from the building museum because um, the, the building manager is, we've known each other for a while from other um, of my experiences. And so developing every kind of relationship possible um, is is important from from mm-hmm. even from the growers, you know, um, from the growers, from the designers, everyone along that that chain um, that touches the flowers all the way to the consumer um, can be active participants in wow. terms of supporting this work. But right now, Kaifa, uh, you're this is a, a labor of love for you, right? I mean, you're pretty much a hundred percent volunteering your services to run this organization. Um, I'm guessing, and and then subsidizing it by your day job, <laughs> right? Uh, something like that. Yep, it's a it's a labor of love and and it's a mission because yeah. it really is. In addition to just being a labor of love and and knowing that it's something that is just wonderful and it's connected to my roots as a horticulturalist and and as a social service provider. Um, it really is about growing the awareness um, across the board in terms of the importance of nature-based connections mm. and the accessibility that indoor plants, because I do source indoor plants as well, that indoor plants and cut flowers can serve as a powerful connection for folks. And um, so it, it's it's advocacy, it's, it's a labor of love, it's my practice, um, and so it's it's all of those things. Yeah. And yes, it's fueled by passion and um, many, many hours. And um, yes, ultimately, as I said, with establishing, you know, as a, as a full nonprofit, being able to garner even more resources to recruit. Re- to support the, the work. Right. I think we recognize in each other the same kind of tendencies, <laughs> too. Uh, right? Yes. You, you know, the, the investment is full and <laughs> 24-7 sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do want to share one other support piece. And yeah. I, know I think I mentioned this to you before, is that um, there are times where there's slow periods and... Um, you're not getting as many flowers as you want. And 
another aha moment that came to me, again, connected to my uh, community garden work and my school garden work as I was the program director of the Washington Youth Garden here in D.C., um, the idea came to me, how is it that I can um, engage these established gardens possibly to grow um, some flowers for plants and blooms, reimagined Oh, right. Oh, right. And, yeah. um, yes, yes. And so, um, a major conference that we have every year here in DC is called Rooting DC. And I rolled out an initiative called, um, Be Friendly Blooms to Share about two years ago. And, um, school gardens in particular have jumped on this. They are so excited because with established gardens, they're, they're growing additional pollinator cut flower plants to grow more habitat for their pollinators in their school gardens, but they're also being engaged in a community effort that they're supporting as young people, knowing that they're sourcing growing flowers that will create an accessible source for those who typically go without. So I'm so excited. Okay, that's another something that I've, I've added on to the list, right? Um, but it's such an exciting um, initiative. Um, I don't have to do a, a lot of work with this. I provide all the seeds for um, the gardens and um, we'll go and speak to the students, do a day of planting, and come back and do successive harvesting with the students. And just before this past school year ended, I worked with um, a group of pre-K students, and they were able to harvest and donate um, their flowers to a meal delivery service here in D.C. called Food to Friends that serve um, HIV patients in their homes. And so that that kind of collaboration as well is so exciting. It's, it's very akin to Grow a Row for the Hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, for for me, is you know, grow an extra row of flowers um, to serve those who otherwise go without. So um, that's, that's an initiative under Plants and Blooms Reimagined as well. Wow, you are basically um, inspiring me to see that, that there's a place for a child all the way up to a great grandparent to, you know, engage with plants and blooms reimagined because you've got multiple. Yeah. I mean, depending on whether it's a school activity, a school garden activity, all the way up to a senior center or assisted living. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, before we run out of time, I want to just have ask you about your personal relationship with plants and flowers. Like how did how did you end up here? Are you a DC native? <laughs> right. How did I end up here? Um, really quickly, let's see. Um, I mentioned being the program director of the Washington Youth Garden here in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically and beautifully, um, as a fifth and sixth grader, so I'm dating myself. Um, I was able to be a participant in the very early formation of that program. Um, Wow. It, it, its mission then was really to target um, inner city young people um, in an effort to mitigate the impact of, of urban living. So it was this wonderful program that was brought into the schools, um, about a six to eight week program through your science um, class. And then you got to come out 
to this wonderful place called the U.S. National Arboretum. Oh, yeah. Where the Washington Youth Garden has existed for all of its 46 years. Um, and it was that experience that just absolutely, every pun intended, rooted mm. everything that I loved about plants and growing and the importance of being connected to nature. And um, so that was a very early infusion and um, just setting those seeds. Um, But I didn't take a direct path to horticulture. I didn't know probably after the fifth and sixth grade (laughs) that there was really a career um, in, in, in that even though I still engaged in community gardens as a young adult. Mm. Um, did a lot of that early on. Um, but social work and social science was my first career path. And so working um, with young people in schools, and um, that was right before the renaissance of school gardens. So at most, I would have uh, plants in my office, um, a few plants strategically placed around the schools, that I was able to engage many of the young people who um, were my wonderful friends that kept me busy. I engaged them in terms of the plant care throughout the school, mm. and they were typically so excited and stayed on task throughout the week to know that they would be able to assist me on Fridays in terms of watering and caring for the plants um, before we left for the weekend. So, with that and with The horticulture experience, I left social work after about 15 years, right at a point where I was completing my Master Gardener program here in D.C. The program director of the Washington Youth Garden came and did a pitch um, to complete your Master Gardener program. You have to um, provide a certain number of hours. And I said, where else can I go to give back but to the Washington Youth Garden in terms of all of what it's given to me. Wow, I love that. Was there all of about um, two years as a volunteer. The same program director was making her transition. They looked at me and said, hmm, Kaifa, would you consider applying for the position? And long story short, I got the position. It opened up a whole new world for me in terms of, again, being really rooted in program and growing the horticulture experience for youth and for schools and for families. And then that transition into the actual therapeutic piece, which was a convergence of my past social work and clinical experience, my love of horticulture. And here we are. Wow. And so you, um, you went to the horticultural therapy Institute in Denver, Colorado, and that's sort of a leading program in the U S right. Absolutely. Um, And it worked out um, at the time that I was prepared to make this shift that they were um, developing regional um, classes. And so they began to develop a whole East Coast region. So anywhere from New Jersey down to North Carolina, they were facilitating the same program that they were doing in Denver, Ah. which made it wonderful Mm -hmm. for me and Mm -hmm. um, completed that coursework. Um, did my internship work with Melwood, which I not mentioned, um, but they are one of my wonderful supporters, particularly in terms of indoor plant donations and um, my work that I've been able to do with differently abled adults. Um, so it's it's been a wonderful journey, but 
you know, when you look back at all the pieces, you see how they all sort of fit into this wonderful uh, jigsaw puzzle that um, brings you to where you are. And I'm indebted to to all of all of the pieces that have gotten me here thus wow. far. That is so cool that your fifth grade self uh, could never have predicted that you were never doing this never. now. I love um, you it. You know exactly. I didn't leave saying, "Oh, I think I want to be." Like um, Mr. Hash. Mr. Hash was our program director. I'll never forget him. Beautiful redhead, you know, guy who just loved all of these children. But never in my wildest dreams did I say, oh, I'm going to do that one day. Um, but, yeah, it so happened. And, and the beauty of it was that for the 40th anniversary of the Washington Youth Garden, I was able to invite Mr. Hash back, and he was able to participate in the 40th anniversary. So oh. it was just just amazing and, and so rewarding for him to see that you know someone who came to the program, you know, ultimately became steward of the same program right. that he right just shepherded for so many years. Yeah, whatever yeah. whatever he teacher dreams of, I love it. Well, um, I know exactly. <laughs> I know I've held you up, and you've got another um, commitment, but um, I just want to thank you publicly for all that you've brought in enriching my life, just educating me about uh, just not taking plants and flowers for granted, not thinking that this is some kind of frivolous luxury item that, you know, is, I don't know, a throwaway indulgence, but that there is the second life. It's a second life. Oftentimes can be a third life. There's Mm. so much. I always say, that flowers like people want to live their lives fully out. Mm. Um, and they, they, you know, they weren't brought here to be one and done. There's so much beauty that they possess um, for so long for so many people who, again, too often go without. I, I, and I'll close with this. Last week I um, was able to deliver some repurposed, wonderful arrangements for an event, um, a group of seniors who part of a senior wellness center here in D.C. wrote their memoir. So 13 of these seniors were being um, recognized in this wonderful celebration. And I was able to to share those gift of flowers um, with them. And the director shared with me, it's like, you never, you will never know the impact that these flowers had on those 13. Because after the event was over, I was able to gift them each with a bouquet. Mm. And she says, they are still talking about receiving those flowers. We truly underestimate how many do not get flowers on a regular basis and um, are just so impacted when they do. So again, this is, this is what I do and why I do it. Um, And I know it's why so many other organizations like Plants and Blooms Reimagine, um, that's the same work because there there are many out there who desire and want and don't have access and 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 need and i'm just i'm excited and happy to be a part of that process of making those connections because again as a horticulturalist my overarching mission is to ensure as many nature-based connections with people as possible because i know that it's a prescription for health and wellness and happiness and lots of joy, and I can go on. <laughs> I love it. I know. We can talk for another hour. Well, we'll have you back on. Um, I know you've got to take oh. off. So I want to just say that uh, I love watching your Instagram feed of happy people receiving plants and flowers. And maybe you can share some of those photos that I can put in the show notes so people can 
get a little bit of that joy and spirit um, and maybe start following I, along with what you're doing. So we'll do that. at. I would the, be more than happy to do that, Deborah. Thank you okay. so much. And this has been great. Um, I'm just so honored to have been able to share with you over these past few weeks. And um, I just look forward to expanding connections with you and Slow Foods. And, and just thank you for Slow Flowers and the movement. I haven't been able to thank you enough for that. It's just... <laughs> okay. Oh, I'll we stop. got a little love fest we, we, going on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you again. I appreciate this so much. Oh, you bet. And um, thanks so much, Kaifa. Take good care. All right. You do the same. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. so much for joining me today. I mentioned that Kaifa Anderson Hall's Plants and Blooms Reimagined program received all of the flowers and foliage incorporated during the full day of presentations and installations during the Slow Flowers Summit on June 29th in Washington, D.C. So I want to take a moment and acknowledge the Flower Farms, all Slow Flowers members, who donated that beautiful and abundant harvest. They include Charles Little & Company, Fern Trust, Green Valley Floral, Linvale Studio, and Resendis Brothers Protea Growers. Thank you so much for your support, and what a beautiful gift that began with the summit and continued on to encourage and affirm clients of Plants and Blooms Reimagined. And while we're talking about the importance of flowers and the healing nature of flowers, I'm reminded of last year's guest, Heidi Berkman of The Bloom Project in Portland, Oregon, a volunteer-run organization with a model similar to Plants and Blooms Reimagined. So if you're interested in learning more about this sustainable topic from that interview, check out a link in today's show notes to listen to episode 311. Before I close, I want to say how grateful I am to all of you, our entire community of flower farmers, floral designers, and flower lovers, who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support, and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 346,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. And thank you to our sponsors who have supported the Slow Flowers podcast this year. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladium, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. 
Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material, and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at Mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org and the Team Flower Conference, a professional floral event where flower lovers from all over the world gather for networking, learning, and celebration. It's a special time for the floral industry to come together, and whether you're a farmer, designer, wholesaler, or just love flowers, you're invited to attend as Team Flowers dreams big for the future of our beloved industry. You can head to teamflower.org slash slowflowers to learn more about the 2019 conference in Waco, Texas. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.